0: Hello, this is Jackie Shea. Welcome to Too Sick and Naked Healing Out Loud, where we vulnerably discuss the ups and downs of healing from illness. Each episode, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on as well as highly informed about something new. Today, I'm so excited to talk to the baddest bitch in the land. (laughs) Letitia, um, who I've known for years and who I've always been in awe of, and uh, who I'm just so excited that you guys get to hear her and her story. Hi, Letitia. Hey,
1: Jackie, how are you today?
0: Good, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm freezing cold New York, and Letitia's the highlight. Will you tell us kind of where where your story begins? Um, Uh, To
1: start, we would go way back to 2001, December of 2001. And um, at the time, I was working for the New York City Police Department as a 911 dispatcher. And um, I worked the 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. shift. And I lived in East Harlem at the time. And I was actually leaving out um, on my way going to work. So it's about 5.45 in the morning or so. And I was actually standing at a bus stop on my way going to work. And um, a guy had walked up to me and tried to get me to go into his car. But because I didn't really know what was going on, I just kind of shoved it off. I, I think that's part of the New York living. Like when someone says something to you, you're just kind of like, you know, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> and um, before I knew it, he had pulled out a gun.
0: Were you in, I'm sorry, were you in your uniform?
1: No. You don't no. wear uniforms. Doing Well, at the time you didn't wear uniforms. Um, you're civilians. Oh, okay. So you're, you're civilians. Um, and... As I stated before, I knew it. He had pulled out a gun, and you know, things just happened so quick. So I could remember seeing it, but not really knowing what was going on. So I was maybe a few feet from my apartment building, and when I turned to try to get back in my building, um, the gun went off.
0: Were you al- you were alone on the street, or
1: I was alone. Yeah, were... there were actually I was alone myself, but there were. Uh, a couple at the bus stop that would always be at the bus stop uh, An older gentleman and his wife. I think he would like walk her to the bus in the morning to kind of, you know, make sure she was okay. So it was the three of us there.
0: And did they did they intervene at all or do anything? To no, ch-
1: they didn't, and I don't blame them. I mean, you know, I don't I don't think that had I been the person witnessing it, I would have been able to do anything. And I think it just happened so quick that there was nothing that anyone could do. At least, as far as I can remember, I don't really think that there was anything anyone could do
0: right and and it was so early that there, yeah, w- there was there was b- no
1: one else on the street, like no one else, yeah,
0: so that he shot you and hit you in your neck in your neck in my neck one once once do you have any recollection of that moment like I don't it just
1: I didn't even know. That I had been shot. I don't. I just remember laying on the ground, and um, there was a church across the street from where I, where I lived, and I remember like laying on the ground, just you know, hoping that um, EMS or someone would come. And I remember the um, the priest from the church coming, and like giving me my last rites. No lie. I just remember him saying, like, do you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I could remember that. And a year prior, my grandmother had passed. And I remember closing my eyes and just her saying, it's not your time. It's not your time. So it's it's the craziest thing. But maybe a few minutes later, um, EMS came. And
0: And the guy had run away. Yeah, he
1: was gone. He was was gone by then. And... um, They put me in the ambulance, and, you know, I just remember feeling like my back was hurting. just felt, I don't know, just, I want to say sore, but the soreness is just, like, not really something that I can describe. Achy, uh, maybe. And they were saying, don't worry, we're going to get you to the, you know, we're going to get you to the hospital. And at that point, um... I can't say that I remember not being able to feel my legs because I just don't remember. Like I don't ever remember it. even as I close my eyes to think about it. I don't ever remember that. I think the only time that I realized that I wouldn't couldn't feel my legs when the doctors told me.
0: Right. So this this um, getting shot has left you paralyzed yes. but from the waist down. Yes. And that is definitely you know what we are talking about in this episode, certainly that the experience of that and how you've, you've gone through. But I also just wanna uh, get, back the, get back to, you didn't feel pain. Like you just, It's what's crazy is it that is we're, crazy, right? we're talking about you getting shot in yeah. the neck and what you're saying is my back felt sore.
1: It felt, yeah, it, that, was, that was the only thing. That was the only thing. There was no real pain associated with the incident.
0: Wow. Yeah. Even as you came out of shock?
1: Yeah, there was there was wow. nothing. Nothing. I guess that's part of the paralysis. Like you feel nothing. Like honestly, you feel um you feel nothing. I had no surgery.
0: You didn't have surgery. No surgery. So they took you to the hospital and you were c- conscious this whole time? I believe I was.
1: Wow. I believe I was um conscious. I don't r- remember um losing consciousness. Um I did have a collapsed lung, and they had to insert, like, a tube into my, to my side, like, near my ribs to, <clears throat> so that my lungs wouldn't fill up with blood. Um, but outside of that, that was kind of like it. Like, yeah, I got to the hospital. It was like, oh, um, there's nothing that we can really do. The bullet didn't come out. Um so it's still
0: it's still in there? They didn't remove it? No. It was like there was no need or there was no
1: need it would cause no more damage. I mean it's just it's just stuck.
0: So have you seen it on x-rays? I have.
1: I think many many years ago. So I mean outside of this thing I don't have any health issues which has been probably the best thing
0: ever, right? So, like, you don't need x-rays. and Right, so I have not
1: had any x-rays probably since it happened because, again, there's nothing that they can do. My health has been pretty stable um, mm-hmm. in regards to that. So, yeah. So.
0: Was there ever a question of whether or not you'd, you'd survive besides in that first moment? No, no. no. They, they, no. So he just m- missed something or? Um, so I'm lucky
1: in a lot of ways, right? So I got shot in my neck, which technically some of the things that could have happened is I could have been paralyzed from the neck down, right? I could have not had any movement from my neck. I could have um, had to be on a breathing tube. I could have had, there's so many other things that happened. So the way that it entered, it actually, it entered here and then a my upper neck, um, I don't know how to describe it, above my shoulder, right? In your like back. Like in my collarbone. The, in, okay, yeah. Almost in the collarbone, right? So it entered there, and then its it went slanted. So it entered inside, but then went diagonal. Mm-hmm. So it didn't hit any major arteries in the inside, but it did hit the spine. Okay. So once it severed the spine, there was really besides the spine being severed, there was really no other internal damage.
0: Wow. Okay, so there was no question of, of your survival. And they, how, how soon after getting to the hospital did they know? I think
1: they know right away. Really? Yeah, I think they know right away. They look at the injury, um, the injury wound. <clears throat> they look for an exit wound. I believe I might have had like an MRI or something that day. I don't remember because if it happened five something in the morning, I can't, I think I kind of lost track of time for maybe like a day or two. Not that I was, I'm pretty sure they had me on like some medication that had me a little sedated. Um, Although I don't believe I remember feeling sedated but I'm pretty sure that I kind of lost a couple of days What hospital did you go to St Luke's okay St. Luke's because it's a trauma hospital mm-hmm. um, but no they knew that I would survive because it was just one entry in no exit no internal damage um,
0: but what did they know that you would be paralyzed from the waist down right yeah. away they did I
1: think that they took me in and I believe at that time they took an MRI. And it showed that the spine was severed, and so that was the result of it,
0: yeah. And you don't remember the sense not, not having a sensation? I don't. You don't? No. Uh, but you do remember them telling you that that was going to be the outcome, or? Yeah, I think
1: I remember them telling me that. I mean, at some point they told me. I can't say today I remember exactly them saying it to me, but at some point it was told to me, yeah.
0: By by doctors or by family members or by how do you remember it? I don't even, you don't know. Know. I don't even know. Did your family members show up? Yeah. Were you married? Oh, sorry, were you married at the mm-hmm. time? You yes. were. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you have kids already? Mhm. Oh, you you already had your kids. Yeah. Oh wow. How old were your kids? Three and eight. Young, and you. So did everybody show? Everybody showed up. Yeah, everyone was there. Um. God, do you remember seeing your kids for the first time? Or them seeing you? Yeah, or... but it was
1: still... I think that when kids are so young, they really don't understand. So I don't really remember, you know, how they were acting. And I don't think that they really understood because there was so much family there, so they
0: didn't they didn't right. know. They didn't, yeah, yeah. Right, so what... So what are some of the, the first moments you remember or the first feelings you remember of after hearing that you were going to lose the use of your legs?
1: I think I cried a few times. Um, <laughs> I, I think I cried a few times. A few times? Just a few times. And I think it was hard to really have any real emotion because I had so much family and friend support. So it was hard to break down in front of people. It's been, so, it's been so long, so it's hard sometimes to kind of bring myself back to exactly how I was feeling in that moment. But I do believe that in that moment, because I'm also very stubborn, that I just wanted to kind of show face like, I'm tough, you know, I'm okay, I'm going to be okay, I'm going to be okay. So I didn't spend um, much time crying in the hospital. Um, how long were you in the hospital for? Do you? Okay, so I was in the hospital for like two weeks. Okay. Maybe 10 days. And then from the hospital, I was transferred to a rehab facility in White Plains. And then I was there for about six weeks.
0: And they were... What was happening in the rehab facility? So when you go to rehab now, you know, you have to
1: kind of learn everything. So, like, I couldn't even sit up. Oh. Like, I couldn't... Yeah, I couldn't even sit up because... Like all your muscle control is just gone, it's just gone. So I had to wear back brace from December until probably like March um, to help me with just, something as simple as like balancing myself straight up. So you go to rehab and those are the things that you work on, you work on balancing, you work on transferring from a wheelchair to a bed, from a wheelchair to a a bench, from a wheelchair to a toilet. you um, do fall prevention. Um, you learn techniques, wheelchair techniques. It's not that simple. to It's not the easiest thing in the world to push a wheelchair. Well, them. I,
0: I, I, have <laughs> been in a few wheelchairs with with Lyme, and I couldn't, I couldn't push. Yeah, I hard. mean, I could for like you know thirty seconds, yeah. and then I was like, push me, exactly. somebody. Exactly.
1: Because your arms are not made to push. Your arms are not, not continuous. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it's hard and. I mean, I don't push at all now and I have a motorized chair and part of it. Well, okay, so part of the reason I don't push is because my kids were so young. And so at the time, I just felt like I can't push a chair and try to like work with kids like this is, you know, this is not going to work. So I kind of like cried and cried and cried and I was able to get a motorized chair, which is probably not the greatest thing in terms of like my health, my, my overall health. Oh. Right, so it would be beneficial for me to be able to use my arms more in terms of, but I just feel like I'm so active that I could use my arms in other ways other than pushing. And then not only that, we live in New York and it sucks.
0: Yeah, like, how, I mean, how would you, that sounds. It
1: sucks for a wheelchair user. It actually sucks. Yeah
0: oh, yeah, I'm sure it sucks to even push a stroller down the street here. Um, So how do you so you're talking about all of this, though, like it was just a drop in the butt, like you were just kind of like, oh, and then and then I went to rehab and like learned how to use a chair. But that I mean, that had to be a dark. Was it a dark time? Do you consider it a dark time? Do you not? No, because, you know, it's the
1: thing about it is that. Rehab was not a bad thing. I think the the dark times came when there was nothing to do in the reality of what life was going to be set in, right? Okay. So you're in rehab and you get up in the morning and you're working with a therapist and so you're engaged and you're having what's normal, right? Normal life. You're engaged with someone, you're, you're active. Um, they had um, recreational activities there. So we did things like go to the movies and we played games and we played tennis. So when you're busy, the mind doesn't have enough time to be idle and think about What's really happening. And I think that for me, you know, I didn't have that time. So I was there, and when I didn't have rehab, my family was there. And then when they left, it was time to go to sleep. So there was never that time to really understand the changes that had occurred. Um, It wasn't until it was time to be discharged,
0: which was six, seven, like eight weeks after the incident.
1: So at the time, I was living in a walk up apartment. Oh, my God. Right? So I could not go home because my apartment was not wheelchair accessible. So that's wow. when I think, um, yeah, things started to go a little bad for me. So I actually, um, I left from the rehab facility and I went and I went to stay at my mother's house.
0: And your kids were in the walk-up apartment with right. your with your husband. Right.
1: So, So they weren't. So what happened, they were with him at the time, Mm -hmm. so then what happened is when I got discharged, um, my oldest son, who at the time was in third grade, went to stay with my grandmother because my grandmother worked at the school that he um, attended, and my youngest son stayed with me because he was in daycare at the time, but we pulled him out because it just didn't make any sense. And so, and we stayed at my mom's house then that wasn't the greatest because me and my mother don't really have a great relationship. So that wasn't good because I wasn't in my own apartment. And then I was somewhere where we didn't have a good relationship and it's just, it was just bad.
0: I talked to so many people to pretty much weekly, if not daily, who have the experience of having gotten sick or injured or whatever and having to go live with parents and also not having great relationships with those parents and how hard it is to to be in that environment and even when they do actually have good relationships with the parent there's still something that feels so infantilizing about it and um so how long were you in that position for with your mom from february until about
1: august i just couldn't take it no more
0: Right, and so what was what was the hardest about about it was, just the relationship. Just the relationship. Yeah, she, she just
1: at the time wasn't very. I don't want to say she wasn't very nice. She just she was herself, and it's just like when you already have that underlying hostility between you know two people, it just doesn't make. For, it's like everybody's on eggshells. You don't really know how to react. It's it just you know every day wasn't bad, but every day wasn't good and then again you know I was an adult with children and now and I have a you know disability and I have limitations and it was just it was just not pleasant and I think you know more of it could have been my own stuff you know um what wind up happening when we talk about health and wellness is that I kind of sunk into a deep depression and as a result of it like I would not get out the bed.
0: That's what I really want to talk about. Like yeah. when, when because of the depression. stuff, oh, it just it, it comes it, it, with it, it, something like that. So you can't help it. You can't help it. I mean, you can try and yep. you can do, it, but but at some point it comes. So it came. So it came, and um, while so you were at your mom's. While I was at my mom's, okay.
1: and it was bad. It was just bad. Like I wouldn't get out the bed, which is no good for a wheelchair user, right? Because you need to move. Because you you're prone to pressure sores, which I developed. Um, as a result of it, and um, so I wouldn't get out the bed, or I would just sit in one spot for a long period of time. And um, I think it was in March, April, I developed a pressure sore.
0: What is that? F- where on your back? They are I got usually one on your. On, you on can get them on. You can get them anywhere right. actually.
1: You can get them anywhere. But I got one like on my side of my thigh. um, and then... And they hurt really bad. Yeah, and they can, you know, they can get really bad. So I'm going to say at the time, I didn't really know much about it. And had I had the knowledge that I had now, um, I probably would have opted for a different form of treatment. But so I got one and they were like, oh, this is, you know, it's going to take forever to heal. So you need to just get surgery. Surgery? Surgery. So I was just like, okay. Not knowing, right? Because, you know, a pressure sore is like a hole. A hole, it's like a hole that eats through the tissue.
0: Are they also called bed sores? No, yeah, they same. are. Okay. pressure
1: ulcers, um, decubitus, yeah.
0: Oh, I didn't know it was like a hole, okay. Yeah, it's
1: like a hole that eats through, it can eat through your skin and it can go all the way to the bone.
0: And it's just from being in the same line. When you don't feel the same. You, you know, there's no sensation,
1: so you don't feel it. And then pressure starts to get in one point and it just goes through to the skin. Right. Yeah. So, you know, part of it, depending on where you get it at. Um, you have to alternate. So luckily it wasn't on my back, which you have to lay on a lot, or on my butt, which you have to sit on. Like there's right. no avoiding that. It was on my leg. So I was just like, oh, okay, well, they're like, you know, this a heal, but it's gonna take a really long time to heal. And, or, you can get surgery. So I'm like, oh, well, let me just get the surgery. Yeah, right? yeah. I, don't, I don't wanna wait for this to, because it was, you would have to clean it um, like three to four times a day with saline solution and some cream, it was, it was a lot.
0: They're like, surgery. Surgery. Like, surgery? Oh,
1: it's <laughs> going to clean it up quick? Okay, let's get the surgery. <laughs> so I opted for the surgery, and I almost went into a panic attack after I came out of surgery. Because what happened was, and they explain it to you, and again, you just, you kind of, you hear things, but, you know, you don't really understand it. Um, that's something that I learned. It's like, when you don't understand something, you need to ask some questions. <laughs> OK, <laughs> so they were like, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and this and this. And we're going to you're going to be fine. I'm like, OK, And it's simple. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I was like, OK. And so I woke up and I had drain tubes coming from my legs and I'm very sensitive and like I get sensitive and nauseous about everything so these drain tubes um draining blood i see them and i'm like oh my god what happened and i'm crying hysterically and they're like don't worry you're gonna be okay you're gonna be okay and then i had like an incision that go all down my leg because what they do is they take some muscle from a part of your leg they cut it out to put it in the hole to stuff the hole
0: oh my god and yes. you didn't
1: I didn't I didn't understand. I'm not gonna say I didn't know because yeah. <laughs> I was advised but I didn't understand that's what was gonna happen.
0: Oh my god. But
1: I think there's um the pro to that is that I have never had another one ever again.
0: So <laughs> you were like you were like I'm not gonna get stuck in bed again. It
1: scared me so much. So that was the I guess that was the good side of that is that it said, "Okay, you have to you have to turn every two hours. You have you know like you can't just sit there in one spot. You have to do something." So.
0: And you did heal from that. And
1: I did heal from that.
0: Um, and so the the depression how it went on for a long time, right? Or.
1: Oh yeah. Oh. I was depressed for a long time.
0: Like. I mean, depression is different, right? So I would say initially,
1: um, because I was home, I was homebound. So I left from my mom's house in. Um, August, and I went back to my apartment, which was a walk up.
0: How did you do it?
1: They carried me up.
0: Uh, who's they? Your
1: um, my husband and his father. They carried you up, they carried me up the stairs. It was
0: two flights. Well, no, I mean, I mean, two flights is two flights. So I yeah, mean. yeah, no, I just, I guess I'm just kind of mad that it wasn't wheelchair access.
1: I know, isn't it? That sucks. Yeah, that sucks. Well, it's
0: it, the funny thing is
1: that I, never really thought about accessibility until I became disabled, okay? And the reason why I say that is, when I first moved into that apartment there, it's so funny, when I first moved into that apartment, they showed me three apartments, right? So they showed me the apartment that I took, which was on a third floor walk-up, the, they showed me an apartment that was on a fifth floor walk-up, and then they showed me another apartment in the next building that was on the second floor, and it had an elevator, and for whatever reason, I took the third-floor walk-up, right? Because I was never thinking, how are these stairs going to impact me, right?
0: Oh, yeah, why would you when, you, when you don't need to think about right. it?
1: So it's one of those things, whereas now I'm constantly thinking, like, you know, how are these stairs going <laughs> to impact me? Or even when, you know, someone else is saying something, I have to think, like, what if something happens to you? How, you know, like, because anything can happen. How will that impact you? You know, mm-hmm. what if you decide to stay there for the next 50 years? Will you be able to stay there for the next 50 years? Like, we don't think about aging. That's another thing, too. We don't think about aging, right? We're thinking in in the now.
0: We all think we're a little bit invincible until we're not. And I think that's something I really want to achieve, too, with with this podcast and Too Sick and Naked is just that, like, we all think it can happen to us. And it can. Mm -hmm. The idea is that, yeah, we're all human. We're all fragile. It can happen to you, whoever you may be. And... It might not be as bad as 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 afraid as you are of that thing. Like, it might just you might just uh, champion through it or get through it in a way that you didn't even know you had the strength to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So to to know that it can happen to you and that maybe it's not as scary as as you feel. Yeah,
1: preparing yourself. Pre- right. Yeah, preparing yourself for the unknown.
0: So you and you're such a a great example of that. And I think part of the way that you you did get through it is that you allowed yourself the space for the depression Mm
1: -hmm. i went so i went back home and um it was bad because then once i was there i was kind of like there
0: and what were you thinking you were thinking that every time you'd leave and come back you'd be carried up the stairs yeah
1: which that didn't happen so i got back in august and then I made some arrangements to have my medical care, medical care provided at home. So I had um, visiting doctors. So they would come in. And, again, I had no real um, medical issues. So
0: Right. So what would they
1: come to provide? Like um, They just came to do, like, a wellness check, get pressure, make sure that nothing was going on. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a social worker coming in to kind of, you know, deal with my mental health and make sure I was okay, not checking out um cuz I'd express some, you know, feeling down and blue and somebody would come in once a week. Her name was Shoshana and she was so she was so sweet. She was really really nice.
0: Is that one of the ways you you started to come out of the depression? Was that one of the, what are some of the first things you did to really like when you decided like okay, this is something I need to accept and move forward? Oh
1: no, I was depressed for like maybe a year or so.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. The depression, yeah. It showed up differently.
0: But you were willing in that time to have a social worker come and to... Yeah, I think it was a good outlet because I
1: had had kind of closed
0: myself off from, like, my
1: friends. So, I so okay, so some of the things that I did that was evident that the depression set in this, I was like, I'm never going outside anymore, so I don't need any clothes. Mm -hmm. So all of my clothes I gave to my sisters. Like, I just was like, oh, I can't wear that anymore. Here, I have these shoes. I'm not walking anymore. I'm not... I can't wear any shoes anymore. Oh, I you know, I can't wear this cute dress anymore because where am I wearing a dress to? So then I traded in all my nice clothes to like for like sweatsuits because sweatsuits when you're disabled is like the easy thing to put on and pull off. Mm. Yeah. Not stylish at all, but that's they're not. Well now they are. When you when you become more in tune and comfortable with your body then everything can be adapted to you. Yeah. Um So that was part of the stuff, like, I would never, like, I wouldn't do my hair. I just, I looked a mess.
0: You kind of gave up a little bit on... A lot. A lot of it. A lot. You gave up. And and your kids
1: during this time? Was yeah, they that... were fine, and they would still. I mean, they were there, and you know, they had mom. Was it and dad helpful there for you
0: to like to have them there? Yeah, to have to get up and take care of them, yeah, or yeah. yeah,
1: there was some normalcy. Mm-hmm. You know, that was still normal for me. I was still capable. You know, I was still cook. Um, I did have a home attendant. She was good in terms of having company because the kids were like at school, so she was good for the company um, part of it.
0: Yeah. Did you feel lonely? Did yeah, you? It
1: was well, not really lonely. um... Maybe a little bit
0: lonely. Did you feel like friends had kind of disappeared or not been able to show up for you? Or do, were you angry? That I was angry and you, yeah. I was
1: very nasty to them. Um, no, some would still come by. Um, I had some resentment towards them only because like when my friends would come by, they were still being themselves. So they would still come and they were cute. And I was feeling like disgusted. Like I was just like, oh, they look so nice and look at me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. that's not who I am. I'm not this person that doesn't, like, take good care of themselves. But yet, this is how I'm acting. So, I think that kind of made the depression a little worse. Because I wanted to feel good, but I couldn't feel good just because of everything that was going on. Then it was like, okay, so you're going to get dressed to go where? You can't go downstairs. Mm -hmm. Like, you're stuck in this apartment. You know what I mean? So, it was hard. And um, what wound up happening is that I... Wrote some letters. Um, I had requested... from When I initially found out that the apartment wasn't going to be suitable for me anymore, I had reached out to my landlord, asking them if they could move me. And to the first floor? I, well, there was no first oh. floor apartment um, available. But if they had any apartments available anywhere, they could move me. And they said, okay, okay, okay. If something becomes available, we'll let you know. And it had been um, almost a year, and still I was just there. And so I had contacted the Commission for Human Rights and just advised them. I had also contacted, like, the councilman for my district or whatever, trying to see if they could help me. I had been looking all over to find apartments. And there are plenty of apartments in New York, okay?
0: Yeah, but there's not, a lot of those. Yeah,
1: yeah, some are not affordable, but most are not accessible, which is the biggest issue. Wow. Yeah, so I was coming across quite a few apartments, but not accessible apartments. And then I contacted the Commission for Human Rights. They wrote a letter to my landlord indicating that they needed to, according to ADA law, they needed to be able to make an accommodation. And within weeks, they had moved me.
0: Wow. It was
1: the craziest thing ever.
0: But that, that goes to show quite, uh, quite a bit of self-advocacy, which, uh, I mean, um, you need to have some fire, in 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 yourself to be able to do things like mm-hmm. that which to me really reflects that maybe you were coming out of the depression too a bit because it does it takes a fire and a, yeah. and a to want to change the circumstance for yourself?
1: Well, I think I wanted to change it for my kids, you know what I mean? Mm. Because it was becoming that it wasn't fair for them. Like, you know, when we went back home it was the summertime and while they could go outside sometimes with their dad, they wanted to go outside with me and I wasn't able to, you know what I mean? So I think that I understood that you know another summer was going to come around. We cannot be here again. Like what can we do? Right. And so I had to, you know, just again, I was home all day. There was nothing else to do but make phone calls, make phone calls, do a lot of internet searches, just trying to figure out, you know, what was going to be the best uh, move we could make. And
0: And they moved you. And they moved me. And how much did that change life to live in an accessible apartment?
1: It was good. It was good. Um, Small changes. Sure, baby steps. Baby steps. Everything happens um, gradually. So um, one benefit is that when I went for the surgery, I also went to rehab at Mount Sinai. Because after the surgery, they kept me for rehab for like two weeks. Like two or three weeks. The, Um, the, The sore surgery? Right. Okay. They kept me for like two or three weeks. And as a result of that, I um, got rehab at Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai program has um, something called the DO-IT program. And the DO-IT program is set aside for uh, spinal cord injured patients to kind of get back into reintegrate into the community through different activities. So I got there and it was a guy there. I'm gonna mention his name because yeah. even though he's a pain in the ass, like I love, 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 love him. And he was I think he was instrumental to me being able to feel like I could go outside. So his name is Jim Cesario, and at the time he's no longer at Sinai. But at the time he was like their outreach coordinator. And I remember being um in the hospital and he's like, hey, hey, get your ass up and, you know, you need to get out and do something. And I was just like, leave me alone. And he was like, no, you have to, you have to, you have to. And I was just just so not feeling him, right? <laughs> I was just so not feeling him. And also, like, he was telling me all of this stuff, and it's it's important to understand that we all come from somewhere different, right? So he himself um, had a spinal cord injury, but he had also had one for, like, 20 or 30 years prior to meeting me, Right? And even his upbringing was different. And, you know, so when he left from rehab, he left and he went home, right, because he had the means to be able to have the accommodations made, whereas you're telling me to get back into the world, but I'm going home to an apartment that I can't access. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference there. right? Um, But so when I moved again to this new apartment, it was actually a few blocks away from Mount Sinai. Which meant that I could visit Mount Sinai more often. And as a result, I was doing, um, physical therapy, and then I I joined the Do It program, which was more recreational, just a way of being able to um, socialize, right? And it was easy to socialize with people who, you know, were having the same challenges, right? So no one's- It's much
0: easier. It
1: is. They have a a better understanding as to what you're going through. Uh, You know, some of the things that you can speak to, speak about, they can speak to. Um, You know, you want to share some things with your friends, but your friends don't understand. And even though they try to understand, they just don't understand.
0: Absolutely. You need, and and really no matter what you're going through in life, it's always easier to talk to somebody who's been there, Mm -hmm. been through it. But with illness stuff and injury stuff, it's like find people that can really, really get it. Mm -hmm. They'll know what to say. Right,
1: (laughs) right. So that's kind of where we were. And then I think it was in... I want to say it was in March of 2003, Jim convinced me to go on a trip.
0: Oh, wow. Wait, what was in the Do It program? It was mostly socializing, but it was... Yeah, just
1: mostly socializing. Okay. Well, it was really geared towards inpatients, but it's a, a weekly hour where you kind of go in and everybody talks about different... They have different topics. Okay, cool. Right. So he, he said, oh, we're having a trip, and we're going to go um, gliding. You should come. And I was like, I don't know about that. And he was like, no, it's going to be fun. You should just come. And I was like, okay. And again, I just did it. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to do it for socialization. And I went, and the guy who drove me was a quadriplegic. Wow. Who had, I forgot he had a dog. He had a service dog. I forgot his dog's name. Um, And so he picked me up in his van with his parents, who are the sweetest people in the world, and we drove up to Pennsylvania. And we went on this gliding trip, and I had the best time of my life. I had the best time of my life, like, riding with him. His parents were so kind. They were so loving, considerate. But for me, it was eye-opening to see a person who was a quadriplegic driving a car like i was like oh i'm missing out on life like <laughs> wait a minute if he can do it what is my excuse so he has a limited use of his hands yet he's here and he has a car and like it was all he's going things. gliding and, and he's, he's going, driving me <laughs> right i felt like why wow, this is eye opening now what's going on now i'm going to reference this by saying that prior to that experience i had no desire to drive i didn't have a license at the time and I had no desire to get one because I live in New York City and it's not a necessity. But after seeing him, I was inspired to be like, wait a minute. You got to get your life together because there's so much going on and you're like, you're missing out. So I think for me, that was the aha moment. Like, aha, you, there's so much more to life and you have to kind of get with it. Wow. So he had these, um, he had not necessarily, a. A motorized chair. And so it's important also for me to say that one reason that I think I was not getting out as much is because I had a regular wheelchair and I just could not push. I just could not. It was just too much. And being dependent on having somebody assist me was just not something that I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So he had something called emotion wheels, right? And they were not, it's not, it's a manual chair that has battery assisted wheels. So he would be pushing, but like the battery would do like 70% of the work and he would do 30% of the work.
0: Oh, cool. So I I was like, oh, I need those.
1: If I get those, then I can be more independent. So I had um, rallied for insurance to pay for them at the time and they were like, "Eh, no, that's not really doable. But instead, I got a motorized chair, which was so much better. Oh,
0: is a motorized chair cheaper than that? No, it's equivalent. Oh, wow. So I'm surprised surprised insurance didn't. Yeah, insurance is just just wacky. wacky Just wacky. Yeah. Okay, wow. So you got a motorized chair. I got
1: a motorized chair. And that actually just opened up all kind of opportunity for me.
0: Yeah, because I know you drive today. I drive today. You drive today. And that means you got your license. Yeah. Which is like one of the questions I often ask is what are some of the triumphs on your your road here? And that must be, I mean. Well, the first triumph
1: is that when I gained my independence by having a motorized chair, I decided to re-enroll in college. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I went from being homebound and home and depressed to being independent. And in college, wow! Yeah, so that was my first. That was my first big step, being able to not only get out the house, but get out the house, get on the bus,
0: wow. and go to school
1: b- by myself. Like that's big. That's that's it's, yeah, huge. It's, it's huge.
0: Where did you go to school? BMCC. Wow! So I went to
1: BMCC full time. Wow! Full time, and so I was able to go to BMCC. And it's so funny because- What did you
0: study? Um, Human services. Yeah. Human services.
1: I always desired to do social work. So I started out, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if school was going to be for me, especially with a wheelchair. I just didn't know how that was going to work out. Um, But I was able to go to BMCC for two years as a full-time student. And I remember the day that I um, graduated. Um, I was home alone, getting dressed, and I sat on the couch and I cried. Well, yeah. I it was just, it, I don't know how to describe the feeling. I almost feel like a little teary-eyed now. Like, it was such an accomplishment, you know, because to think that um, I finished BMCC in 2006. And
0: I actually I, am teary-eyed because yeah. I, I think I am exhausted and on my period, but I also <laughs> think that, like, it is so totally amazing to just was, hear that, like, to, to just... I can hear your enthusiasm and like what a big deal it is. It and was it, a big deal. Well, it is such a big yeah. deal, but it's like you—you you really the aha moment is so is so amazing and vivid, kind of. And then you you go on and you start little by little getting all these things, and uh, to, you, you, you really took imagine. your life into your own hands. Yeah,
1: you don't imagine these things for yourself. I always say like. Um, This is not the worst thing that could have happened to me, right? And in so many ways, it is the best thing that could have happened to me, right? Because prior to this, I was satisfied working at the police department. Like, I was okay with that. And most of my friends that I know from there, they're still there. You know, they've moved up in rank, but they're still there. And so I don't think that that's a bad thing. But the good thing for me is that because I'm not there, I've also got my master's degree, right? Maybe that wouldn't have been an opportunity for me. Oh, my God. I've met so many great people. Maybe that wouldn't have been an opportunity for me. There's so many great things that I've experienced as a result of something so bad happening, right? Mm -hmm. So there are times when I want to be extremely angry. Um, I don't even think I would have had a car now because, again, I had no desire to drive. I've had no desire to do so many of the things that I've tried, and it's all been a result of having this disability.
0: Right. So what's another, like, what's another thing? You have, you have more than a lot of people. You, did you jump out of a plane? I did.
1: <laughs> Three times already.
0: <gasps> I only did it once. I loved it. It's amazing. It was so good. It? But it's gotta feel extra liberating to do it when, when you're in a chair and you, and you're not up right now. I don't know. You don't, we don't know. You don't know. No, we don't know. But you jumped out of three different planes yeah. in, in three different states or all here? You're no, all here. All um, in New York.
1: All different experiences. So the first time I went, I went with the DO-IT program. Oh, cool. And um, so they were like,
0: Is oh. Is the DO-IT program through insurance? Will insurance no, I co- don't need any insurance It's for free. Yeah. By the way, guys, there are a lot of... A free and available services and i for anyone with any issues usually and you just kind of have to do the footwork right yep. and yep. be be willing so that's in, that's great to know anyway the first one was with the do it program right so they're
1: like oh we're thinking about going um skydiving you want to go and i'm thinking to myself mm, no that's not something that i want to do because i'm scared of everything. I'm scared of heights. I don't do roller coasters. I don't do any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, no, you should go. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine, fine, fine. Because I'm thinking that this is something that people talk about. You know how people say, oh, we're going to do this, but it never happens. So I'm like, okay, it's not going to happen. So then they set the date. And they're like, we're going on this day. You're going, right? And I'm like, sure, I'm going, I'm going. And then the day comes. (laughs) And they're like, you're down? And I'm like, yeah. And they actually did a special with Good Morning America, where Good Morning America followed us, right? Oh, wow. And so we get up there and the day is there and they're interviewing us and we're talking and it's all good and everyone's laughing and not at one point did I ever get scared. I was never scared and so we're on the plane and again, I'm not scared and we're talking and everything's good and then we get to the point where it's time to jump. Mm -hmm. And we get to the edge of the plane and my head is like, oh my God, Oh, my God. But it's, oh, my God, for literally three seconds. And before I know it, we're out the plane. We're free falling. It's so cold. I can't breathe, right? I'm excited. I'm never scared. I'm so excited. And then they open a parachute, and then we're just sailing through the sky. And it's the most beautiful feeling that you can ever have in your entire life. Isn't it? Oh I, my think, God. So it I think so, too. I think it good. was
0: the best thing I've ever done in yes. my life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's so cool. And so then you got a job, which yeah. soon, So soon then after right, so graduating? Then what, no, no, no,
1: no. So what happened is, so then I went to BMCC. I completed that. And then I went on to go to John Jay. Oh. Right. And wow. so I got my undergrad degree in social control and deviant behavior from John Jay. And at the time I had, um been receiving services from the agency that I currently work for They were called Vested then, but now they're Access VR. And I had went to them to get a um, car modification because by that time I knew that, you know, I needed to drive in order to be able to commute successfully because public transportation here is not the best. And so I had um, access service for them and they um, sponsored me for driver's ed and then when it came time for me to buy a vehicle, they actually sponsored me for my um, car modification. Wow. So I got um,
0: a car. What is your car? Like, what is what? What is different? How do you... Um... It has a ramp. Okay, great. Um, it has a ramp, and it has hand
1: controls. So hand controls are needed to press the gas and the brakes. Mm-hmm. And it has a...
0: It's pretty amazing.
1: Six-way swivel seat, so the seat comes back a little further, so that I can transfer from my chair into the driver's seat.
0: Right, perfect.
1: And so it's important that you know to have that. It's important to know that those car modifications are like about twenty-five thousand dollars too. I'm sure. Yeah.
0: And so you can go to a program like Vasset. Sorry, what is it called now? Access VR. Access VR, and they'll sponsor you. Oh, so Access, sorry, Access VR is in every state. Right,
1: Voc Rehab.
0: Voc Rehab, Vocational Rehab. Vocational Rehab. And if somebody's in a state and they can Google it, and you can go for any, uh, like, any range of issues, right, from... So their
1: services are geared towards helping individuals with disabilities go back to work. So they provide services so that a person can go back to work. So in my case, you know, having a car was gonna definitely help me to be able to navigate the city in case I had to travel to work because again, the limited um, forms of transportation for a person with a wheelchair. Right, it's an issue,
0: and disabilities do do. There's a spectrum, and some of the people with disabilities have depression, right, right. or mental illness, yes. or or addiction, right, yes. and and they can get help there, vocational yes. rehab to get to get work. Yes. Wow. So they had sponsored you. They got you these these car modifications, mm-hmm. and um, and you're still. Then you got a master's degree. And then I got a master's degree at John Jay. No. no. Well then I got a master's
1: degree from um CUNY's Graduate Center, the School of Professional Studies, and my Masters is in disability studies.
0: Wow. Yeah. And then you and then you got your and then you started working with
1: No, I started working with Access in two thousand and nine.
0: Wow. Yeah. You've lived such a I'm talking to you and I'm like, what a full, full, full life. And there was probably a period where after this after the the accident happened where you felt like life was over. Oh constantly. Constantly. Right.
1: Um you know, there's different times. There are different time periods. And again, it it's all Attributed to um, you know what's going on at that moment, mm-hmm. right? So even though I live a very full life, there have been sometimes even in between like going to school. So like I remember one day I was home alone and um, I was trying to get from my chair to the bed and I fell, and then I could not get either on the bed or the chair, and mm. I cried and cried and cried and cried, and it took me like no lie maybe two hours. Right. Mm. And at that point I was just like, I just wanna die. This can't be my life. Why, 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 right? Something so simple was such a big trigger for me, right? Because it was a reminder, right? It's a reminder that I didn't have use of my legs and how much it had impacted my life just in that moment. Something so simple. People fall every day. Yeah. Right? But falling and not being able to do something as simple as get up from the floor to my chair is not that far from the floor. Like, yeah. it's a couple of inches up, and I just could not do it. And I've had many of those moments that, you know, um, that I've just not wanted to be here. But then, you know, the light goes off that, wait a minute, you've accomplished so much, and you want to just give that all away? Right. Like, for these moments?
0: Right. That's And I had somebody tell me a long time ago, like, look, you're a victim Of getting bit by a tick, right? You're a victim of getting shot in the neck. Mm -hmm. You are not a victim from here on out. Like, you are responsible for what you do with that in your life. You Mm -hmm. are responsible for putting on your nice clothes and your lipstick if that's what makes you feel better, Mm -hmm. right? And you're responsible for, like, going to the Do It program and learning about what's out there for you. And you're responsible for looking into how to, you know, um, navigate this new this new world. Mm -hmm. So you're such a, you're such a testament to like grabbing, grabbing all of that and taking responsibility for your life. Um, and a lot of people do and some don't. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm just so in awe of that. And and what is your life like today? I mean, there are ups and downs. Of course there are mo- and I'm so glad we talked before the podcast about how there are always going to be moments of self-pity mm-hmm. and there are going to be moments of depression and there are going to be moments of you know, some days suck and some moments suck in the day and not wanting to do it and not wanting it to be this way. And then there are many which is just life for everybody. Right. Right, like everybody has
1: moments. Though. But I think that people need to understand that and people don't, you know, sometimes we think, oh, you're so special. You're not really that special and the situation doesn't make you special, right? Mm-hmm. You're still going to have the same life circumstances as anyone else. It may be a little different, but you're still going to have those like those moments, right? Because today the person that can walk woke up and they had a shitty day because they had a shitty day is because that's just what life is you know every day is not going to be perfect for everyone and I think that when you can add some normalcy to what you're experiencing you tend to look at life a little different and you tend to kind of just ease back and be like okay well you know what it's okay Mm. you know this moment is bad it's okay life is going to move forward you know so you have to allow it to move forward Mm
0: -hmm. yeah wow so we talked about um uh... A weekly challenge and that's a new a new addition to this podcast is having a weekly challenge so it's something that me and whoever my guest is this week Letitia discussed kind of before the episode about what they think helped them through uh, and what we think would help the listeners through a week, how to get closer to healing and what, what Letitia and I discussed is taking 10 minutes a day to talk to somebody. Talk to somebody, tell them um, how you're feeling, good, bad or indifferent uh, and to really do it on honestly Mm -hmm. um because as you obviously in your story something that's so prevalent is is having somebody to talk to and how much that that changed your life first Mm -hmm. with a social worker and coming to your house right and then going to the duo program and having people to talk to and who understood and Mm -hmm. still today um you have a lot of friends right and family, and you're active in, in communicating. You're okay with communicating the times that you feel like shit. Oh, I am. Yeah, I and am. and that's hugely helpful for you, right? It
1: is, and even this moment, you know, um, I was definitely on board to do this, but I think even this moment, being able to kind of relive my experiences and hear myself talk about it um, feels good, right? Because it feels good to hear myself say that it's okay to not feel good all the time it feels good to hear myself say that you were in a bad place once upon a time, but you're doing better today. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to feel just okay today. And maybe tomorrow's not going to be okay, but it's okay. So this is my 10 minutes of saying how I felt, you know, and just also being able to thank you for considering me and giving me an opportunity to be able to tell my story, express my truth, because sometimes that's hard.
0: It is so hard to, and and you just shared at the beginning of your story that you didn't want to break down around your family you really wanted to just hold it together and it's mm-hmm. like today it seems like you're much softer and able to yeah. and able to say like it is hard and it's okay to not be okay all the time time. that is such an important thing for people to hear i heard so much of like stay positive and don't let this get you and let it get you let it get you let it
1: get you to your bare bones right Mm. right because it's important to be able to see what those bare bones look like yeah,
0: so so that you can move on. So that you can move on. You can't move on unless you really take a look at it. We were saying, like, put it on the table and then move past it, but you can't move past it until you put on it on the table. table. Yeah. Um, so, so please, this week, talk to everybody. And I do have one last question. What did they find, the guy?
1: They did. They did. Um, he did get time. Um, he's serving 23 years to life. Um, I, I don't know if I find any joy in that, right? Because I watch too much TV and sometimes I see um, like these jail shows and like they have TVs and they're getting medical care and they're getting food and mm. all of this stuff they're getting, you know, in order for me to get, I have to work. So like, I don't know if that's true punishment.
0: Did you ever look at him? Did you ever go to court? I didn't see? have to go
1: to court no, because to. yeah, they he pled out. So there was really, there was no trial.
0: But when did they find him quickly?
1: Um, yeah, because the couple that were at the bus stop had the license plate of a car he was in. So
0: oh they were instrumental. wow! They did. So they did. So do, they did help. They right? did help in their own way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are you? But you're glad they found him, even though they're. Oh yeah, there. I mean, yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, yes, that I'm glad of. But you know.
0: And do you have any trauma related to being outside on the street alone or in the morning or, or like... Surprisingly, I don't. You don't?
1: I don't. I've never been fearful of being outside Um, because it was, you know, random acts of violence can happen to anyone. I can't live my life in fear. I have to live my life. So if it's my time it's gonna be my time whether I'm afraid or not right I could be home and something could happen so yeah and you have to live your life you Mm -hmm. cannot put limits on your life
0: you have to live you have to live your life which you're such an amazing example of you're so inspiring and I'm so appreciative and if anybody wants to reach out to Letitia um I you can contact me through Two Sick and Naked my email is on there um or you can direct message me on Instagram or Facebook and I will put you in touch with her um uh and so thank you so much for doing this episode no, thank you for having me. and for sharing uh so honestly and the weekly challenge guys don't forget it's to talk to somebody 10 minutes a day maybe not even check in tell somebody how you really feel um and keep me keep me updated because uh, i love I, I love uh sharing honestly and vulnerably with others i think it oh and we were talking about it doesn't just help you it helps I the help other person
1: yes i agree
0: yeah so thanks, guys. Please uh, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and follow me on twosickandnaked.com and share this episode with anybody that you think might uh, benefit from it, or with everybody. Um, follow me at ShayJackie on Instagram for updates of the uh, weekly challenge, and uh, we will see you next Monday. Bye.